Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, says there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Verse 11, jump down. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Look at your neighbor and tell them, you are beautiful, and it's your time. <laughs> then you may be seated. I want to ask you a question. Here in the Bay Area, every once in a while, it, it will touch 90 degrees, 92 degrees in the summertime. And let me ask you something. In the summertime, would you walk outside in a sweater? Now, some of you, just because out of, out of your rebellious spirit, I would. No, you could do it, but it's not beneficial. You could do it. In the freezing wind chill of Chicago, and it gets chilly over there. In the wintertime, in the wintertime of Chicago, would you walk outside in shorts and sandals? Now, somebody would be like, yeah, I'd do that. You could do it, but it's not beneficial. You could do it. It's not beneficial. So why do we walk out in the world without God's blessings? You could do it, but it's not beneficial. You could do it. You can go out there and make it happen on your own. You can do whatever you can. I'm going to work it. I'm going to work it. I'm going to work it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And you try your best, but I'm telling you something. You are working harder, not smarter. And you're working real hard, and so you think in your mind, say, well, but I'm a hard worker. Listen, my friend, you have got to be a hard worker. You've got to be a person that can put your hand to the plow. But my friend, you want to be a smart worker as well. Be somebody who understands that I want to get in the will and in the pathway of God. I want to be able to allow God to do something great within me. And listen, when you understand that, you begin to understand how God makes everything beautiful in its time. There is a time for everything. There is a time for things that you go through. Some things you may not like and some things you will love, but you need to know something. There is a time for it. And when you understand the time, you understand that there is a beautiful process that's taking place within your life. This past Sunday, we had an opportunity. We talked about it. We talked about money. Look at your neighbor and say money. Now, you've heard the term before. Whenever we talk about money, people get funny. People just do, do get funny. That's just the, the way that it is. But this past week, when we talked about it, we talked about certain things about, you know, there were so many principles that we talked about. One, we talked about getting out of debt, right? That's kind of a good thing to be out of debt, right? It's a good thing to save and invest. And if you weren't here on Sunday, we talked a little bit even about how, uh, you know, the, there's, a, there's a tithe that you could tithe to yourself. Did you know that? It's called savings. Save. Only a fool will gulp up all that he has, the Bible says. Don't eat it all up. Learn to live on less than you make. You got to learn how to do that. Save and invest. It's a smart thing to do. Now, could you gulp it all? Sure, but it's not beneficial. It's not beneficial. 
You got to learn how to do it. And then some of you here, here this past Sunday, we, we talked about it, that you got to learn how to act your wage. Act your wage. You're, you're living beyond your means, and it's not beneficial. Again, could you do it? Yes, but it's not beneficial. And so here this year, I am believing that in 2016, because we talk about it, we share about it all the time, and many times you'll hear the pastor come behind the pulpit or someone saying, listen, we're going to pick up pledges or whatever it might be. And so sometimes your heart wants to give, but your pocket says you can't give nothing. Your heart says, I want to be a part. Your heart sees the missions. Your heart sees these different missionaries that come, and you want to give, but you can't. So what I'm believing in 2016, I'm believing for financial freedom for Richie Return of the Bay. I'm truly believing for that. And so I wanted to back up this Sunday's message with this one. This is not a series, but nevertheless, God put this upon my heart. I really believe that I wanted to speak this message because I believe that many of you, you come to church and you're so excited and you're so ready and you're free in the spirit here, but you're in bondage at home. You're free here because you don't have to look at the bills, but when you go home, you got to look at the bills. And so you feel in bondage and there's not a freedom that is there. You shake everybody's hand, but there's shackles on your wrists. They say, man, I want to do it. I want to be a part. But right away, many times, the first thing that just blockades anything, blockades any blessings is you can't do it. You don't have the money. You can't do it. You don't have the financial understanding. Well, I'm, I'm really believing because God was putting this upon my heart as I was praying uh, this, this past, you know, month that we had of January. And we were, you know, just really... I was asking God, you know, give the direction for the church, how, you know, with the building. And we talk so much about the building that is this the year that we're going to get the building. And the Lord was speaking to me throughout many different studies that I was having, saying, listen, before you get the building, are you building the people? Are the people being built? Are the people understanding? Because far too often we say, let's get a building, but the people aren't really being built. And so I want to make sure that we get a, a full understanding of what it is of what God wants to do in his kingdom, kingdom principles. And we talked about them. And my prayer is that you would be a man and woman of principle. You would be the principal man and you would be the principal woman. That's my prayer, that you would be the principal man and be the principal woman. Why? Because the Bible talks about how us as, as Christians, as disciples, that it, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Understanding something, there is a season to receive, but there's always a more blessed season, and that is to give. It's a good thing when you receive, and my prayer is, listen, if we're talking about getting a building, I'm believing that many of you, you're going to get the car that you need. You're going to get the job that you need. You're going to get the finances that you need. Again, listen to me. I said that you need, not that you want. That you need, not that you want. Don't get greedy. One of these days, I'm going to talk about that. We're going to talk about greed because we, we always think greed has to do with Wall Street. That's definitely not the case. Greed can still have to do with Mission Street right here and A Street and B Street. doesn't have to take Wall Street. But my prayer here this, more, this evening is that you and I would, underst would understand what it is that is more blessed to give than to receive. And, and it's very important because I don't want you to miss your season. Tell your neighbor, don't miss it. Because if you miss it, you just might miss the blessing of God. There's a story, I've shared this before. I really love this story. It's a story of a young man who was getting ready to graduate college. And for many months, he had admired a very beautiful sports car in a dealer's showroom. 
And knowing his father could well afford it, he told him that that's all he wanted for his graduation. So then as the graduation day approached, the young man awaited signs that his father had purchased the car. Finally, on the morning of his graduation, his father called him into his private study. His father told him how proud he was to have such a fine son, and he told him how much he had loved him. Then he handed his son a beautiful wrapped gift box. Curious, but somewhat disappointed, the young man opened the box and found a holy Bible. Angrily, he raised his voice at his father and said, with all the money you have, you give me a Bible? And he stormed out of the house, leaving the Bible. He never contacted his father again for a very, very long time. Many years passed, and the young man was very successful in business. He had a beautiful home and a wonderful family. But he realized his father was very old and thought about he should go see him. He hadn't seen him since that graduation day. So before he could make arrangements, he received a notice telling him that his father had passed away, and he willed all of his possessions to his son. But he needed to come home immediately and take care of all the matters. When he arrived at his father's house, sudden sadness and regret had filled his heart. He began to search his father's important papers. And then he looked and he saw the still new Holy Bible just as he had left it years prior. With tears, he opened the Bible and he began to turn the pages. As he read those words, a car key dropped from an envelope taped from behind the Bible. It had a tag with the dealer's name, the same dealer who had the sports car he had desired on the day of his graduation. It was the tag with the date of his graduation with the words, paid in full. Listen, my friend, don't miss your blessing just because you want it packaged your way. See, far too often we think, God's going to bless me. All I got to do is scratch off this piece of paper. If I do this scratcher, that's how I'm going to get blessed. No, my friend, you get a blessing that may pass you by every single day of your life. And if you're not aware of the season that comes, it's going to pass you right by. It's going to pass you right by. And so here today, the last principle that I talked about, I want to elaborate on here tonight, and that is the principle of giving. Look at your neighbor and say, Giving. Now, we talked about acting your wage. We talked about getting out of debt. We talked about investing and saving. We, we talked about so many principles, but here today, tonight, I want to talk to you about giving, and it's very, very important when it comes to giving. And when it comes to giving, I remember my mom used to always tell me that she was not going to give me what I wanted all because of, number one, my attitude. I used to hear my mom say that all the time. I was going to give it to you, but because of your attitude, I'm not going to give it to you. And I remember thinking, oh, man, that stinks. I'm your son. You should give it to me. I'm your son. But my mom would say, no, I'm going to teach you a lesson. Until you change your attitude, you're not going to get it. See, the first thing that you have to learn is that giving also comes with an attitude. John Maxwell said, your attitude determines your altitude. Matthew chapter 23, turn with me there. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Now what you have to understand is that there are a few woes to your attitude. Somebody say, whoa. Verse 23 of chapter 23 of the book of Matthew, it says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, 
you hypocrites. Now listen to me. This is very important. This is another message for another time, but I want to get this very clear. Notice who he's calling hypocrites. Teachers. People of the law. Is he calling sinners? No. He's calling the people in the church. Or in this particular case, the people in the synagogue. You guys who think you know it all, but you don't know nothing. He says, listen, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. In other words, they come together. You blind guides, you strain out a net, but swallow a camel. Now here in this portion of scripture, we see the Lord speaking out, of woe. He's saying, listen, listen to me. See, Jesus finally gets sick and tired of the Pharisees' attitudes and their way of living, and he gives them the full law. See, they were very strict and precise in the smaller matters of the law, but as careless and loose in the heavier matters. Matter of fact, in the book of Malachi chapter 2, it talks about how many people, they become partial to the law. In other words, they do just enough to get by to look good. They do just enough to get by just to look good. That doesn't sound like anybody here, right? Nobody here. I showed up to church, Pastor. At least I came, didn't I? I put something in the bucket. I put, you know, it doesn't matter how much, you know, I put something. Something's there. See, and what you're missing is that you have to understand something. It's not about the giving that goes in the bucket as it is what's already in your heart. The attitude that is in your heart. And that's what Jesus was trying to get across to these men. See, they were picking and choosing according to their own interest. See, the tie that Jesus spoke of, the mint, the anise, and the cumin, he understood that it cost them nothing in order to give that. It was cheap. It was a cheap tithe. They were giving, but they had cheapened it. See, They were always taught to tithe, but they cheapened the gospel with a cheapened tithe. They had cheapened it. See, what they were doing is they were so caught up in their sacrifice that they omitted their obedience. See, they became more religious than relational. They missed the relationship of what Jesus wanted to have with them. Listen, I want you to know something here tonight. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. He doesn't want to have a religion with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have something personal. Because when it becomes something personal, then my friend, it's not about how much that goes in the bucket. There's already a personal relationship that's in your heart. And so that way, when you give it, you know that you're giving with all of your heart. You're not giving with all your bank account. God doesn't want all your bank account. He wants all your heart. See, Luke chapter 21, verses 1. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Luke chapter 21, verse 1 says, As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put more in than, in than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. See, while everyone else was giving out of their pocket, she was giving out of her heart. The attitude. See, when you give, your attitude is a major part of it, is it not? Think of it like this. Wives, does it matter 
how your husband gives you the gift, right? It matters how, not just the gift itself, but how he gives it to you. Can you imagine if you were to go and say, oh, oh, yeah, babe, here, I got this for you. Just toss it. I'll tell you right now, my wife would look at me if I were to toss anything. She would get it and go. I can't tell you how many times where I have learned it hasn't been so much of the gift itself as it is the gift that's already in my heart to give her. What is the same thing with God? So your attitude and how you're giving it, why do you think so much we always use an adjective when we talk about giving, right? God loves a, there's an attitude to your giving. There's an attitude to what you do. Your attitude is very important when it comes to your giving. Why is your attitude so, so important? Number one is because it determines our approach to life. There's a story of a grandfather a grandmother and a grandfather who visited their grandchildren. Each afternoon, Grandpa would like to lie down for a nap. One day, as a practical joke, the kids decided to put Limburger cheese in his mustache. Quite soon, he awoke sniffing. Why, this room stinks, the grandfather exclaimed as he got up and went into the kitchen. It wasn't long before he got into, into there and he decided that the kitchen smelled too. So he walked outdoors for a breath of fresh air, and much to Grandpa's surprise, the, the open air brought no relief. He walked outside and said, man, the whole world stinks. See, far too often is it true that in our life, we carry Limburger cheese in our attitudes, that the whole world stinks. Man, she stinks. He stinks. He's horrible. She's horrible. No, you just got a horrible attitude. See, our attitude determines our approach to life, and it also determines our approach to giving, how we give. See, that's why it's very important because if you, if you come and you sit down and you're a part of this church and you know that we, we believe in tithes, we believe in offerings, the, the preacher will come back over here and he says, and now it's time for tithes and offerings. Some of you get excited, and some of you are like, Man, I, don't, I don't feel like giving right now, right? Because of the feelings that we have. So that's why it's very important that you understand that your attitude is very important to your giving. See, it is impossible for us to tailor-make our situations to fit our lives perfectly, but it is possible to tailor-make our attitudes to fit our situations. The number two reason why it's important is because our attitudes, they determine our relationships with people. They determine our relationships with people. Teddy Roosevelt said the single most important ingredient to the formula of success is knowing how to get along with people. The single most important formula to success is knowing how to get along with people. See, having a good attitude will help build others who in turn will help build you. Now, it's very important because I want you to know something. I was talking with somebody the other day. We were discussing about how uh, you know, many people, they, they strive after a title, and they go after a title, and if you're not careful, that title can sink your ship. And we were talking about leadership, and uh, I was sharing with them about how when I was younger, I never wanted to be a pastor. And one of the reasons why I didn't want to be a pastor was because I seen people become pastors, and true story, how they became pastors, yet they hated people. And so that turned me off. So when they said, you're going to be a pastor, I'm like, I ain't being nothing, you know. 
Why would I want to become a pastor and hate people? That doesn't make any sense. It just it, it doesn't work. Because me, if you know me, ever since I was young, I just like being around people. I just like hanging out. Hey, you want to stay up till 1 o'clock? You want to stay up till, you know, whenever? Hey, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, let's chill. I'll do it. Let's, let's go hang out. I just like being around people. And when you have the right attitude, you understand that it helps in the formula of success for not just your life, but for those around you. Your attitude is a big part of building relationships. And number three, why our attitude is so important is that it can turn our problems into blessings. Having the right attitude can turn problems into blessings. Jay Sidlow Baxter said, what is the difference between an obstacle and an opportunity? Our attitude towards it. Every opportunity has a difficulty, and every difficulty has an opportunity. I'm going to say that one more time because I like that. Every opportunity has a difficulty, and every difficulty has an opportunity. Listen, my friend, when an obstacle comes your way, don't look at it as a blockade. Don't look at it as a stoppage. Don't look at it as nothing's ever going to happen. you got to look at it as, hmm, what is God going to do today to teach me how to get over this wall? What's the opportunity that I am going to learn? How am I going to grow from this wall that's in front of me? See, a person with an outstanding attitude when confronted with a difficult situation makes the best of it while he gets the worst of it. Makes the best of it even while he gets the worst of it. See, our attitude will determine our altitude. I'm believing, and I've shared this before, that I I believe that God is going to raise up millionaires in our church. I truly believe that with all my heart. I truly believe that he's going to raise up millionaires, not for the sake of the church, but for the sake of the kingdom. I'm believing that. But this is the thing. God's not going to make you a millionaire until you learn how to be a thousandaire. Learn how to handle that. Learn how to be a good steward of that. Learn how to have the right attitude with that. And then watch what comes your way. Can I hear an amen? Come on, can I hear an amen? The second part of giving is the action. Somebody say action. The Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 17, faith without works is... Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word evidence in the Greek is elenkos. Elenkos. That word means proof or conviction. See, when you go to court, how many have ever been to court? Okay, all right, don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. The one thing that will convict you is if the other party has the right evidence. Your Honor, Exhibit A, the bloody glove, it was right there. I don't know if you guys are watching that right now. The trial versus OJ. Anybody else watching that? People versus OJ. It's right there. It's the, look at the evidence. See, everybody always thinks that faith is like this whimsical vapor that's in the air that you cannot touch. No, faith is actually evidence. Show me what you believe. Let me see it. I believe that Jesus is my Savior. Well, show me. Follow him. Follow in his ways. See, that's the faith. Faith is not just saying it. Faith is actually showing the evidence by walking in it. That's what faith is. See, now this is very important 
Faith is not works, but it needs works to stay alive. Listen to me. Faith is not works, but it needs works to stay alive. The Bible says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy? Did I not, did I not do this? Did I not do that? Because it's very important. People think, well, it's works. No, 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 no. It's not the works. In other words, you cannot say, I believe in God, but do not keep his commands. There must be some action to your belief. Now, put it like this. How many here are Raider fans? Okay. Now, out of you Raider fans, how many of you, you have at least you own something that has Raider jackets, Raider beanie, Raider hat. You have something that's Raiders. Okay. How many of you are 49er fans? Okay. How many, out of you 49er fans, how many of you have something that has 49ers on it? You have a beanie, you have a jacket. Okay, you have something. Now, if you're a true fan, and when I first asked you, how many are Raider fans, how many are Niner fans, but you don't have anything to show proof that you're a fan, I would question your fandom. I would question your fanaticism. Because, see, some of you, you have levels of fanaticism, right? Let's be honest. If I were to ask you, name me somebody on the Raiders besides the quarterback, right? Because everybody knows the quarterback. Name me somebody. somebody some of you would be like, oh, yeah, well, I know Derek Carr and, and that, that one guy, right? Didn't he win like he was in the Pro Bowl? Like, let's be honest. Some of you, you couldn't even name more than two players, if we're honest. And that goes the same for some of you Niner fans. Some of you Niner fans, if I talk about history, you know, his, oh, I know Joe Montana. I know Ronnie Lott. But name me some current, right? It's very difficult. Why? Because in order to, for us to show your fanaticism, you must keep up your faith. Your faith of what was cannot be what is unless you're doing what needs to be. You have to keep it up, right? You have to keep it up. See, that's why far too often I hear so many Christians, oh, yeah, I remember back in the days. Oh, man, it was great. We used to do this and we used to do that. Listen, that's good. I'm glad you look in the rearview mirror. But remember, your rearview mirror is this big and your windshield is this big. Because when you look back, you got to look back this much. But when you look forward, you got to look forward this much. You got to update your faith. Update the faith. Just don't leave it to where, well, yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I used to do that. Yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm a, yeah, I'm a Christian. Show me. Let there be some action to your belief. Just don't say it. Walk in it. Talk in it. Be in it. So that way when you say, man, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he is the way. I believe that he is the truth. I believe that he is alive. And I believe that no man comes to the Father except through him. Then when people see you, they can go, man, that's a man after God's own heart. That's a woman who believes in what she's saying. She has put in some action to her faith. I believe you. I believe, man, I, I believe that person. See, that's why we come to church. We don't come to church just so we can say, hey, I showed up. No, I got to put some action to my faith. I got to put something behind it. And if you're like me, I, man, I, it's like I, I got to come to church. I need the relations. I need the body. I need, it's a very important, especially to my faith. It's very important to my faith. 
See, the Bible says in Luke chapter 21 that there was a sto the story of the widow woman. It says that Jesus had looked up. See, far too often, I even heard somebody one time say that, you know what, we should never, you know, God never looks at the money that goes in the, in the buckets. One of the stories that we always hear about and that we always read about actually is the most, probably the most famous story when it comes to giving. And Jesus was standing in the front of the temple looking at everybody what they were giving. He was watching them. How do you think he came up with the story with here? Come here, disciples. See that woman? She gave a little bit. See all those people? They gave a lot, but they really gave nothing. They gave out of their wealth. How else would Jesus know unless he saw? See, far too often we say, oh, brother, you, you, don't look at me. Look at Jesus. Well, if Jesus is inside of you, I should be looking at you. Now, if Jesus ain't inside of you, then you're right. I don't want to look at you. Because Jesus understands that, listen, he puts fruit inside of us. And if you're going to have fruit inside of you, then guess what? You're going to get a fruit inspection. Do you really got the joy? Do you really get the cheerful giving? Is it really? See, we can tell in the inspection. All right, it's time to give. Yes. All right, it's time to give. I don't want to give. See, we can see the fruit that is there. That's why the action is very important. See, many people even say, well, God knows all I do. I don't have to show them. I want you to know something. That's the wrong mentality to have. John chapter 13, verse 35 says, All men will know that you are my, my disciples if you love one another. They're going to know that you are a disciple of Christ by the love that you have for one another. We can tell if there is love that you're sharing with one another. If you truly love people, listen to me, leaders, especially to the leaders of this church. They're going to know that you are disciples of Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay, if you love people. If you don't love people, you're going to have a real tough time being a leader in this church because I, I, I almost like get on everyone. You need to love her. Go, go hug her right now. Hug her and mean it. No, I'm just kidding. Come on, Pastor, I don't want to hug her. God bless you. No, you got to be able to share that love. There's action. Don't say how could, how could you believe in a God that you cannot see and yet all of a sudden with a brother that you can't see, I don't get along with him. I don't like her. I don't like him. All men will know that you are my disciples by the fruit, the fruit that you have. And there's action to that. Even when Jesus had shared this about knowing that you are my disciples, Jesus had just gotten done washing the disciples' feet. He just put some actions to his belief. He just put some actions to what he had said. I had heard a pastor one time say, you ain't never going to catch me washing nobody's feet. Right away, I knew, well, uh, I ain't never going to be listening to any of your messages ever again. Like, no, I'm, wait, why would you say that? Why would you even go there? Because you're saying that I'm not going to do what the master, the king of kings, the Lord of lords did and told us to do. And yet we're not going to do that. See, now I understand the difficulty of it. Now, don't get me wrong. There's difficulty in following the steps with Jesus. I understand that one. I understand it's probably a difficult thing to do. I understand that. But to deny the action of what our Lord and Savior called us to do. And if you notice, even within our church, our leadership, even we've done it a couple times, right? 
We've done a couple. We, hey, we'll wash people's feet. We ain't got no problem with that. Let's do it. Let's get down on our knees. Hey, I, we'll put some action to what we say. We may not be the perfect church, but we want to make sure that this is the kind of church where imperfect people can come and get their feet washed. There's some action to the belief. You got to put some action to it. Tell your neighbor, put some action. See, Jesus always identified with the needy, those who were hurting, and putting some action to it. As a matter of fact, Jesus was always making a judgment call on those who did not give to those who were in need. See, giving through action was a part of Jesus' fruit inspection. Matthew chapter 25, verse 34, on your own time, you can read that, and you can see about how Jesus was making sure. He said, listen, you say all these things, and you, you want all these things to sound good, but you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Be a person of action. Somebody say action. And the last one, as they come to the piano, I'm going to close right here. First, we talked about the attitude. Then we talked about the action. And the last one is the authority of giving. The authority. Matthew chapter 28, verse 17 says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Now, what I like about this portion of scripture that really got me, especially in this verse, because, you know, it's the Great Commission, right? The Great Commission. Go into all the world. You know what's heavy to me is what God really showed me as I began to read this scripture? is that the verse right before said that there were people that showed up to Jesus' ascension, and they doubted. Yet Jesus still told them, all authority that was given to me, I give to you. Even though you don't fully believe yet, I'll still give it to you. Now let's be honest. If we had something that was precious, something that was really, you know, taken, we take heart to, that something really meant to us, wouldn't we, like, because we use that scripture, don't cast your pearls to swine, right? Oh, no, 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 I don't want to give it to her because she's not going to take care of it like I think. But yet here's Jesus with the most important commission of all time. And he says, even though you don't believe, I'm going to still give it to you. I'm still going to give you the authority to go ahead and speak on my behalf. See, this is why you and I, we need to be careful when we look at others and say, well, who, who are they to speak on? Well, Jesus gave them the authority. I, I, don't ask me. I'm not Jesus. Ask him when you get there because he gave all authority even to people who doubted. See, the authority is a very important part of who you and I are. Now, it's so important. Isn't, isn't authority so important in your life that even sometimes you don't even know how important it is? Watch this. When you're driving in your car, you look in your rearview mirror, and if you see those lights and they aren't even on, don't you get like, oh, man, what did I do? You see the black and whites, and you see the red and blues. You see it right there. Hayward Police, Alameda County Sheriff, and all of a sudden you're just looking in your rearview mirror, and you're like, oh, my gosh. Is my registration up to date? Is my light out? Did I fix my light? Like, like, is it, and then right away, you even you don't want to look down, but you want to feel. It's like, okay, is my seatbelt on? I don't know. I don't want to look at it. Is my seat, do I have my seatbelt? Because right away, why? Because the authority hasn't even done anything yet, but it's changed your life. 
it's changed your thinking. When the authority comes in, it changes everything. Now, let's leave that right there because it's very important. It says that he gave the authority to all of us. This is very important. Now, who is in authority? Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2. says, when the righteous are in authority, the city rejoices. Listen, when the righteous are in authority, the city, this is very important, the city rejoices. When the righteous. See, you and I are to pursue God's righteousness. Go after him. Because when the righteous are in authority, the city, the people will rejoice. Every day, I drive down A Street right here. I live right down the street, so I'll drive here. And I can't tell you how many times I see men and women lining up right outside over here, lining up across the street of the Salvation Army, going over here to hope for the heart. Why? Because when the righteous are in their rightful place, the people are at ease. People know where to go. Everything is okay. Even when it's chaos in your house, it's okay because the righteous are in authority. Everything is in its place. When the righteous are not in authority, everything's all out of whack. What do we do? Where do we go? What's going to happen? What's going to take place? I remember Sister Yolanda had shared. She grew up right around here on A Street. And she was told growing up here in Hayward, if the atomic bomb were to ever go off or if something were to ever happen, they, she was taught as, at a young age, go to the cross with the church on it and go underneath. They have a bomb shelter. Right? That's what she told me. She told me that. And if you grew up in this area, you know, right, that's what they told you. Go to the church because they got food there. They got things that will last you there. Where are you going to go? See, even though people are out there running their life, running all around, doing whatever they want, they should know where to go in time of need. They should know where to go. We may not be perfect, but we should be that place where they can come. See, the word righteous in the Hebrew means sadak. Look at your neighbor and say sadak. And I've shared this before. There's a word sadak that also has similar meaning, sadaka, and that means generous. In the Hebrew culture, if you're going to be a righteous person, you got to be a generous person. You cannot be you cannot be saying, I'm pursuing God, but not be a generous person to your neighbor. It's impossible. In the kingdom of God, if you are going to be a person that says, I'm a Christian, but yet you pass by the needy, that you're, you're really not putting some action to your belief. It must be together. Because when the righteous are in authority, the people will rejoice. There are 2,106 verses that connect righteousness with generosity and greed with wickedness. Psalms chapter 37 verse 25 says, I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. Putting others before yourself. Listen to me. 
Pastor Toby set it up here real quick earlier, but I don't know if you caught it. Because many of you, I know you're in a bind right now, and you know what I mean when I say that word bind. You're in a financial, uh, you know, situation that, that just feel, makes you feel bound. Ah, oh, I'm not good. I want to challenge you. We already picked up the tithes and offerings, so don't worry about it. But I want to challenge you. Be a person who can give your way out of a bind. Try it. Just try it. This is a behavioral message. That's what this is. This is not one of those, hey, oh, come on Sunday. We're going to have a good time. I guarantee you this Sunday we're going to have a great one. This is a behavioral message because it's talking about what are you doing with the word that comes inside of you. I know it's very difficult. I know some of you, you want to get a house. And you're like, man, I want to get a house. Well, you got to learn how to be faithful in the rent that you have now. And I want to go to missions. Okay, start giving even now. Start learning how to give even now. Little things here and there. Aldrin, he wants to go. Five bucks, brother, here you go. Start planting a seed right now. Do something now. you got to learn how to be a generous person. It's very important that you and I, if we are going to be righteous, then we have to be somebody who pursues the things of God in a generous way. See, many times we have learned righteousness the wrong way. If you don't do this, you're a righteous person. Don't go drinking. Don't go to clubs. Don't cuss. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't. As long as you don't do, you're a righteous person. But in the kingdom of God, it's not what you don't do. It's what are you doing? What are you pursuing? You know that I have friends of mine, they don't come to church, but they still tithe to this church. They still tithe to this church because they know the righteousness of God. They understand the laws and the principles of God. How much more should the people that are in church understand the principles of God? Can I hear an amen? Luke chapter 3, verse 7, and I close with this one. On your own time, I want you to read this whole story. Luke chapter 3, verse 7. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized, you brood of vipers. Let me just kind of give you the cliff notes of this portion of Scripture. John the Baptist goes out to the desert. People follow him, and he starts speaking to them. And as he's speaking to them, he starts rebuking them. You read the first part there with me. It says, you brood of vipers, you snakes, you did. What's wrong with you? You do all these great things. Has the axe not fallen far? You say Abraham is your father. All these things. And he starts rebuking them, just giving it to them, just going out of. John the Baptist didn't have a whole lot of tact. He was just, you know, he had more attack than anything. Just bum, just giving it, giving it. Then when you read the, the scriptures, they go back to John the Baptist and they said, okay, John, we're sorry. What should we do then? We didn't know we were being such hypocrites. We want to apologize. We want to, we want to right our wrongs. What should we do? Should we have all-night prayer? Should we go out and we evangelize 24-7? Should we go out there and just lay hands on people? And, and should we do all that? He says, no, you know what you do? For the one who has a garment, give it to somebody in need. And if they need more, give them the garment off your back. And if you have food, give it to somebody. And if you, you still have food, give it some more. You know what he says? He says, give. He 
Because you, you really want to talk about, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Okay, then give. Stop being such a greedy person. Stop being such a hoarder. Give. Be a giver. See, far too often we, we, we don't want to talk about this principle because we live in the American dream. The American dream sometimes is the kingdom of God's nightmare. Because the American dream is all about get everything. Get big boats and big houses and, you know, get, uh, get everything that you can. Have all these cars. Get as much as you can so you can attain. And that's how you become successful. You can have ten houses and still be a viper. You can have 20 cars and still be a rude, obnoxious, just horrible person. It doesn't matter. Don't try to obtain the things of this world. Try to obtain the principles of God. It's very important. Now, tonight, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have a, a time of, of prayer. We're going to close out right now. But we're going to have an afterglow of prayer. We're going to do this every last Thursday of the month. Sister Rochelle and the team, they've, they've got some things together that we're going to do. And we're going we're gonna to sing a song, but we're going to pray. But this is very important to me because right now we're, we are going to make an altar call. But this is very important to me. When you come to this altar, and if you're going to make this altar call, I want you to hear the voice of God. That what he would have you to do. And I want to challenge you, if this is your church, and you say, you know what, God has been dealing with you when it comes to giving. I want you to put something, allow God, I should say, let me rephrase that. Allow God to put something inside of your heart for you to give to somebody, not to this church. Please, listen to me very clear. This church, we're, we're good. Don't worry about it. You already gave it your tithes and offerings. But some of you, God has been speaking to you about seeing somebody on the street. God has been putting a foundation upon your heart that you need to start giving. You need to just give. Hear that? You got to learn how to give. Be a giver. Go buy somebody something that you know is in need. Try. It's a practice. This is a behavioral message. This is not something that I don't want you to come and feel good. I want you to come and do good. Do what is right. So we're gonna pray right now. And as we pray, I'm praying for a cultivated atmosphere where men and women are gonna learn what it's like to become a millionaire. Some of you guys are going to become millionaires. Just some, not all, but some. And I want to cultivate an atmosphere where some of you can learn how to grow. And you're going to learn how to handle $10. God is going to give you this next week $20. I want to see if you know how to handle $20. What are you going to do with that $20? Some of you, God is going to bless you with $100 this week. I want to see if you're going to learn how to handle $100. Some of you in this next coming weeks, you're going to get blessed with $1,000 out of nowhere. How are you going to handle $1,000? Some of you in this next month, in this next year, you're going to get blessed with $5,000, $10,000. You're going to get blessed with it because it's a blessing to receive, right? It's a blessing to receive, but you're going to know what to do with $10,000. I'm believing that this year, some of you are going to get blessed with $100,000. See, for some of you, you're going to be like, well, that ain't me. Well, well, maybe if that's your attitude, then it ain't you. But for some of you, when it comes your way, you're going to know what to do with it. You're going to know exactly what to do with it. I want to cultivate an atmosphere of men and women that know what to do with kingdom principles when they come your way. Stand with me here tonight. Bow your heads. 
Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would be with us, Lord God.